You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. You can also like the show on Facebook. Please go do that. It has been a fast-rising place for Packers fans to engage in discussion with other fans, hopefully like-minded fans, so please go ahead and do that. The big news from the last few days, aside from America's birthday, I hope everyone had a great 4th of July, I hope you had a cheeseburger or three, I hope you had an adult beverage or, mm, well, let's pick a responsible number, and I hope no one drank and drive. You know, there's a, there's a lot of circumstances here. But the the obvious big story from this week for the Green Bay Packers is Aaron Jones will not play the first two games of the season, at least as it stands right now. He can appeal that the, the two-game suspension could become one, theoretically. But this was a suspension based on a traffic stop in October He was speeding, he was driving without a license, and he admitted to smoking marijuana. And we're going to talk about the football impact of that suspension on this team a little bit later. But I want to talk first about the actual rules here. Because this is a case where a player broke the law. And not just broke the law, broke it in a reckless manner. Was was doing things non-drugs related that were not just inappropriate but unsafe and do not reflect well on the NFL. And so the NFL, given their rules, has broad latitude to suspend players for this type of conduct. Aaron Jones does not have to fail a drug test with the league to be suspended by the NFL. Does not have to do that. And likewise, does not have to be arrested in order to be suspended. Ben Roethlisberger famously or infamously in this case not arrested for some alleged sexual assault and he ended up being suspended, similar to what happened with Jameis Winston. Now, I think it is very fair for Aaron Jones, someone who was arrested for uh, an an unseemly charge, driving driving while under the influence of a drug, and and driving unlawfully, frankly, without a license, that reflects poorly, and he deserves to be punished for that, and he has admitted as much. There is no question there should be a punishment for this kind of behavior, no question, and he has said that that is true. I think most reasonable people would say that that is true. There are thornier questions here, though, about the NFL's policy on 
drugs, on suspensions, and on arrests. And what it comes down to, really, is someone like Martavis Bryant or Josh Gordon can miss an entire season for multiple failed drug tests where other players who are involved in alleged assaults, domestic violence, uh, actual, um, you know, gun-related violence or sexual assault. I mean, there there are a laundry list of things that players could be theoretically and have been recently. We're not just making these things up. These are real life examples where players are being suspended a similar amount of games, and in, in the case of Gordon and Bryant, many fewer games for what seem like much more serious offenses. And again, the Aaron Jones situation, he was arrested. He did something unlawful and the, with the driving and the, and the marijuana. All those things together. And if you, if you break the law, if you're arrested, you deserve to be suspended. So this is not a, a way of saying Aaron Jones didn't deserve to be suspended. He did. What I'm saying is the league has a problem with inconsistency because guys are being suspended four, six, eight, and 16 games, or indefinitely in the case of Josh Gordon, for multiple missed drug tests or failed drug tests coupled with you know whatever arrests for marijuana or whatever it is these substance abuse problems and they're missing entire seasons where whereas guys like Greg Hardy who are committing serious violent acts I mean he threw his girlfriend on a bed of of guns and was allowed to play football this just it doesn't compute it doesn't make any sense. And the league has to find a way to adjudicate these things in a way that makes some semblance of sense. Or they're basically saying, if you smoke weed, that's as bad as hitting your girlfriend or wife or partner or anyone else. Or, you know, committing some other heinous act of violence. And and this is at a time when, regardless of what you think of drugs or or marijuana in particular because that is the drug of choice that that most of these guys are being suspended for using that is legal in places like Washington that have an NFL team Colorado that ha- that have an NFL team and plenty other states where it's been decriminalized and yet the NFL is suspending guys for long periods of time for these offenses that might be legal wherever those players are living. And you you put that up against the backdrop of these other much more serious offenses in many cases. I mean, Josh Brown, the Giants kicker, admits to abusing his wife and he gets fewer games than Martavis Bryant for failing a drug test? I mean, what are we doing? And, and this is not new territory. I'm not breaking news here. I'm not covering ground that that no one has covered before. This is well-worn territory. Anyone who's been following the league over the last few years understands that this is a problem. And yet the NFL has not taken any steps to correct it. And I, I want to I want to reemphasize just just one more time 
that none of this is to say that Aaron Jones didn't deserve to be suspended. He did. He owns this mistake. And and let's all hope for his sake that he was young and dumb and is not going to make this mistake again. But he deserved to be suspended. But the reality is these other offenses that are being treated as comparable to even just an arrest like this, and I, I frankly, I think there are there are a lot of cases where reckless driving and and DUI and and even I mean Dante Stallworth got probation for killing someone while driving a car. I mean I think that is ridiculous, but that is that's the way the legal system is set up. But the NFL does not have to does not have to adhere to those rules, and I think s- sending the message that assaulting your wife and smoking weed are in some way comparable is just really bad aesthetics for the league. It is, and that is aside from any of the moral questions that you want to raise about the differences there. I don't think reasonable people would disagree that there is a tremendous moral difference between those two things. And so for for these things to be treated as the same by the NFL is ridiculous. And it needs to change. The league needs to be firmer on these things. Teams need to be firmer on these things. But the reality is, as long as a player can play, they're going to be given every opportunity. Alden Smith had to continually, habitually, and progressively, more intensely screw up before finally getting out of the league because he is such a talented pass rusher. And the same is essentially true for Greg Hardy. I mean, Michael Vick spent time in prison and came back and and played multiple NFL seasons after that. Now, did he deserve to to spend as much time in prison as he did for the dog fighting ring? That that's a a completely separate topic. But the reality is he came back from prison to play in the league. And yet Martavis Bryant has to sit out a year. A year, not even arrested, not in jail, just has to go chill at home because he failed the drug test. The NFL can't continue to send the message that these are comparable crimes in the eyes of the league because they aren't. They just objectively are not. And that's something the league absolutely has to address. All right, I I always think it's important to discuss the broader life issues in these moments before we get to the football. I, I think it's it's often overemphasized, the football part. Oh, what is the fantasy football impact? I mean, I had to do this. And I felt I felt gross doing it. I had to I once when Ezekiel Elliott was suspended last year, I had to write a piece that was what is the fantasy football implication of the Ezekiel Elliott suspension? It did not make me feel very good. It made me feel icky. It did. I mean, it, it really did. And I think that that there are broader implications. Sports are sports, but they they don't exist in a vacuum. They exist in life. They exist in the real world. And they are still players. And those players are people. And they exist in a world. And they have family members and friends and those people have to have to be living under the law. And so we have to be talking about 
all of the things that that go along with that before we get to the football part of it. And I understand that that's not the most pleasant discussion to have. It is an uncomfortable discussion to have in a lot of t- in a lot of ways and at a lot of times. But I, th- I think that part has to take precedence over the football part. And if you disagree, that's fine. But that's how I feel. And guess what? It's my show. So there is a football part of this to discuss, and it, and it is um, something that that Green Bay is going to have to reckon with, that they are going to have to deal with, and and frankly, you know, the whole the whole discussion that we just had. That is not for the Packers to decide. That is not for Aaron Jones to decide. That is a, that is an issue that the league has to deal with, and that just is what it is. Um, the Packers, though, they have a player who's been, in my opinion, appropriately punished for what he's done, and so they have to figure out what to do from now. And so what are they going to do, and how does this affect what happens in the actual games this season? So... Aaron Jones is going to miss week one against Chicago and week two against Minnesota. Week two, obviously a bigger deal because the Vikings, that is a huge early season matchup for the Green Bay Packers. And to not have a player who is probably your best running back and one of your best offensive playmakers against a really, really good defense is suboptimal. Now, Jamal Williams has has some NFL reps. He, he did not play against the Vikings last year in a meaningful way, but he did play against the Bears and, you know, was not ultra productive. That was a game in which Ty Montgomery had a big run and, un, until he was injured. And so that's something that, that he's going to have to contribute. Ty Montgomery is going to have to be a bigger part of this team at, a, at running back, at a traditional running back position than he might have been otherwise with Aaron Jones. He could have played a more hybrid role, could have been involved with more passing situations, could have played a little bit more sp- split out as a de facto receiver. But with Aaron Jones not being available to play, Ty Montgomery is going to have to spend more time in the backfield. And in fact, the Jamal Williams-Ty Montgomery one-two punch as physical as those two guys are, that's going to be brutal on those two defenses. Montgomery brings some explosiveness more than Jamal Williams does. He brings some versatility more than Jamal Williams does. But but the Packers should use both of these players because they are hammers that can be used to bludgeon the opponent. And you can loosen up an opposing defense by hammering them. In week nine, Last year, Jamal Williams had 20 carries for 67 yards. That is not a very good line. I mean, I'm, that, that, I'm not telling any secrets there. So what Green Bay has to do is they have to find, as we've discussed many times on this show, they have to find the balance. They have to find the roles for these players to maximize their abilities. And that becomes even more important when you're down your most natural running back. So you have to use Jamal Williams in ways that suit his talents, and you have to use Ty Montgomery in ways that suit his talents. When you have Aaron Jones, who can do a little bit of everything, you you may be worried less. You just say, okay, we're going to give him 16 carries and get him a couple targets, and everyone else just has to get in where they fit in. Without Aaron Jones, you have to be a little bit more adaptable, a little bit more flexible about how you use these guys because Jamal Williams cannot do everything that Aaron Jones can. 
And Ty Montgomery can do things that that none of those guys can do, but maybe he's not the guy you want to get 15 carries. So Green Bay is going to have to figure out how these guys best fit matchup-wise against these teams. And it may look very different against Chicago than it does against Minnesota. Maybe it looks the same, maybe it doesn't. But understanding matchups when you lose a depth piece, that becomes even more critical. It becomes even more important to maximize the talent of each individual player specifically because you don't have that guy who can just do whatever you ask of him in a particular situation. Ty Montgomery is limited in pass protection. Jamal Williams is not an explosive or dynamic player with the ball in his hand. And so if you need a hammer, you've got Jamal. If you need a versatile versatile piece, you have Ty Montgomery. Yes, he can play between the tackles. Yes, he can get to the edge. But what you don't want to be is predictable by formation. And when you have Aaron Jones, who can do everything, and then you rotate in these other guys, that makes it a lot easier for for the offense to say, you don't know, based on our personnel, what we're going to do. Because all of our guys could do multiple things. And that is still true. But when you don't have Aaron Jones, who can can create on the ground, who can create big plays, and who can create in the passing game, maybe you do have to be a little bit more situational with the other guys to, to maximize your production. And that limits you. You either have to be a little bit more predictable by formation, or you have to put guys in a position where they're not ideally suited to succeed. And that is not ideal. Now, if you're the Packers, you're looking at those games and you're saying, okay, those are both at Lambeau. And so that's an advantage for us, especially with the Vikings, given the difference at their place. That new stadium is loud. And Green Bay has not had success there the last two years. Well, the the last year, but they haven't had success in Minnesota the last two years. Obviously, that was a bugaboo for them all through the the Favre years, but has been less so in the Aaron Rodgers years. You look at this team now, though, and you have to feel much better that this game is in Green Bay, just given this is a young season, week two. Is Jimmy Graham going to be acclimatized to this offense? Is Devontae Adams going to be accustomed to being the number one and essentially only major threat in the passing game between the 20s. There are going to be a lot of question marks. And so to lose a playmaker of the caliber of Aaron Jones is certainly less than ideal. And it's going to test Green Bay early. That is a very important game in week two in particular. They should win week one. They are better than Chicago at home in prime time, Sunday night, It's hard for me to imagine Aaron Rodgers and this team losing to Chicago. But in week two, against a team that might be more talented than them, at home without a key offensive playmaker, on a team where suddenly, you know, they they need all the playmakers that they can get, especially against such a good defense. And this could be uh, an important touchstone in the season if they lose this game at least in part because Aaron Jones is not on the field. They need to go win this game. They need to be 2-0 because there are are a couple stretches in this season that are brutal. And the opening game stretch, that is really important. Those first 
five games against you go Chicago, Minnesota, at Washington, home for Buffalo, at Detroit. That stretch, they need to get at least four of those games because after that, you've got San Francisco, the bye week. Then you have to go to Los Angeles for the Rams, to New England, home for Miami, but then to Seattle, at Minnesota, home for Arizona, and then the Falcons. That stretch is tough. And so you have to make hay. The Packers are going to have to make hay at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season. They close at Chicago, at the Jets, home for Detroit. But that that middle section is going to be tough. So they have to win these early games. And to not have Aaron Jones, that is a critical blow for them. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. All the data that is normally behind the paywall, I want to give to you for free. All 32 teams in the league use some form of Pro Football Focus data, so get the numbers the pros use for your fantasy league, or just for your own edification. Be a smarter fan with a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription, and you can get it. It's so easy. Just put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. All right, we're going to have another show tomorrow. We're going to talk about a piece that I wrote for Acme Packing Company, setting reasonable expectations for this Packers defense. What should you expect? And what does success look like? That success has to be defined by the expectations. And so we have to figure out what to expect from this team. And then what does that mean in relation to how we measure success for this team with Mike Pettin, with this rookie class full of athletes, with the free agents that Green Bay brought in, and with the players that they've lost. How does all of that come together to give you a picture for what this team should be and what we should expect of them and then say, okay, now we know that. If they don't reach that expectation, now what does that mean? And so we're going to have that discussion tomorrow. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Packers. Go to the Facebook group. Like the group, you can leave a review there as well, not just for the the contest that will not enter you for the contest but you can go and do that there let people know about the show help them see share a podcast you really like if you like one of these shows i post them all at the facebook group you can share it all of your friends will see it and say hey that's a cool show i'd like to listen to that share the love of the locked on packers podcast we are after all a community alike Cheesehead Nation is strong, so let's make it even stronger by sharing the content that we like around this team. The 53-man projections at Acme Packing Company are coming out soon. There is always content at Fansided and Pro Football Weekly worth your time, and it is all there for you to be the most informed fan that you can be. I want to make sure I'm constantly informing and entertaining you when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. I want my listeners to be the most informed Packers fans out there. And in order to do that, you have to stay locked on Packers.